Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inetiquette Rugby Podcast. Myself and Lucy Jones are luckily joined by Kyle Barrett this week. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing? It's been a couple of weeks since we had you on. Um, Ireland are going pretty well so far. Ah, brilliant, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a lot better than the Six Nations. Obviously, I was a little bit nervous um, coming into Saturday. After, you know, you're thinking about 2019 and everything and what could happen, but um, I was delighted with that performance and definitely the best performance from Ireland in the last few years so I'm still happy about that and probably a bit too excited for this New Zealand game. Yeah I think I think Irish fans are definitely riding a wave at the moment. Um, we had uh, Murray on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how you know as a Scotland fan he wanted Scotland to hurt Japan as a result of 2019 and I think you really did you know you put 60 points on them with tries from low, Conway scored a hat-trick um, much to my dis- dismay, because I didn't put him in my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> Gibson Park, Sexton, Aki, Ringrose, and Healy. The style of play was the special thing, though. What did you make of that? Well, yeah, on the fantasy team, um, I wasn't feeling too good about my my team until I saw yours. But um, <laughs> the style of play has definitely improved, and um, it's definitely nice to see it kind of them having a different look at it. Because I was coming into this kind of this window thinking. Is it going to be the same thing? Play slow ball, just kick, you know, box kick. The same thing that they do all the time and same thing is going to happen to us then. Teams will figure it out. But no, they seem to have changed it. And my cast, who I haven't praised them much um, lately, probably deserves the praise as well because him and Andy Farrell seem to have done a pretty good job. I think, though, if you look back on Saturday, it was a mixture of Japan maybe not having much time together, being a bit undercooked, Um and then being very poor and also being very good as well. And I think the All Blacks and Argentina probably show a lot more as well because I don't think we can just base it on that Japan game, unfortunately. No, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned the style of play that was good and you give praise to Mike Cat. The big thing I thought was forwards offloading. You know, when you've got big forwards like the likes of Porter and, and Furlong running through midfield, you know, that's that's what you want to see. And, um, that's what Wales want to see, Luke. So I think that's fair to say with this new style that Pivac's using. Um, I use. It's meant to be a similar kind of style, isn't it? Free flowing. Yeah, I used inverted commas there with my hands. So I'm not convinced with playing a new style at all, but um, that, that that probably gives away my feelings. But I thought the first try from Conway was something special. With that, you know, you mentioned you didn't want box kicks, but the little grubber from Gibson Park is a touch of class, really. The sort of touch of class that he needed. I was watching the highlights and O'Callaghan is on the commentary and he says, this is exactly where we want to go with the Irish game. Is that what you feel? Or do you think that that's a little bit misleading? Do you think you want to see that sort of rugby? Or do you think the best style for Ireland is that successful rugby you had two or three years ago where it was forwards dominated, scrum, scrum penalties, kick to the corners, box kicks? No, I, I'm kind of... I'd agree that the style was really good to watch and obviously everyone wants to see a good spectacle. So you're going to be more in favour of having a good a good play style that everyone wants to watch, lots of offloads. Um, again, I'd have to see them play this a bit more, but I think the way we played probably back in 2017, 2018, I think that's gone now for us at the moment and for the team. Um, you're coming up against different teams. I don't think the way we played before would work against England at the moment or Springbok, probably the All Blacks as well. I think it depends on the team and the way we played. It was pretty easy to figure it out. 
because um, we kept doing the same thing. We kept going. You knew how we were going to attack. We, you know, we always played off Sexton, whereas at the weekend, we didn't always play off Sexton. And that gave us a lot more variety. So I'm not sure how I want us to play <laughs> or how I think we should play more so. I know how I want us to play, but and that's kind of good attacking rugby. Loads of offloads. More offloads than we've seen in the last few years. But how we should play, I'm a bit unsure about it. See, that, so that's interesting because I'm a little bit the opposite. I think when I've seen Ireland be successful over the last five years, you know, you think of those wins over the likes of England, uh, when they've hammered Wales out in Ireland, when you've beaten the big teams, you know, like New Zealand a few years ago, it was by playing that style of rugby that was where you dominated the game line, where you were tough, tough in defence. And I think that's where you can do what South Africa do to some other countries or where England have been. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. Against Japan, it looks great. If you're facing the All Blacks next week, is that the style of rugby you want to play this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think oh, give really? it a go. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think if you look at our pack, I think a lot of them are ball-playing players. Um, yeah. they, can all, they can all play rugby and they don't all need to just kind of bash through people exactly. And I don't think that would work amazingly at the weekend, you know. I think however we play against the All Blacks, it'll still be a tight game. But you look at that front row, they're all able to offload. They're all able to throw nice passes. They have good footwork, but they can also do the opposite of what we used to do before. So it's about how the provinces play as well for me a bit. Like if you look more kind of constant Ulster, the way they play, they play kind of they play a really nice brand of rugby. They throw lots of offloads, kind of keep the ball alive a bit more. So them players are probably a bit more used to it than let's say Leinster or Munster were because they had more players playing under Schmidt. But I think we need to give it a go, to be honest. And what's the worst that can happen in this window, really? No, yeah, if, that, yeah, if that's how you played last weekend, why completely change it against New Zealand? It was a, yeah, exactly. It's a good rehearsal in a way. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen people saying, oh, they need to kind of change it up. And Murray needs to start was a key example for me. But him and Gibson Park are two completely different scrum halves. And whichever one, obviously, Gibson Park is starting, whichever one starts indicates to me how they're going to play. Because Gibson Park, he's not a great kicker. Obviously, we saw that nice kick to Conway. But um, he's not a great box kicker, but he plays really fast. He's always there at the rooks and he's sweeping the ball straight away. Whereas Murray he takes his time and he plays a bit slower. So it kind of indicates how they're going to play. And I think they're going to keep the way they played last weekend. Which makes sense because why be in camp for two weeks, get ready to play this way and then change it up in the week building up to the all Blacks game? doesn't make sense. You know, I, I, I do worry if, if a couple of offloads go to floor. New Zealand are brilliant off turnover ball, that sort of thing. Those, that, those are the fears, obviously. And there's more likely for those passes not to go to hand against... Uh, New Zealand than Japan. Um, More interceptions as well. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> we, we know we know all about interceptions following our performance against New Zealand. Um, what did you make, Kyle, of uh, Sexton's performance in particular? Then on his hundredth cap, the the reception he got from both players and fans when he scored that try was pretty special. Uh, it was it was great to see, and he looked he looked so happy. I was really delighted from. And you could say it was a bit of a walking, but he done well to actually see the space and run that hard line. Um, I thought he was up there for man of the match with Conan. I was really 50-50 in who should get it. I think I'd have given it to Sexton just on the day that was in it. But um, yeah. 
it was much improved probably from his last few few performances for Ireland. I thought the fact that Ireland didn't always play off him meant that he wasn't getting targeted as much. Obviously, Japan's defence, as we said, a bit poorer. But we've seen recently that we've always played off X and he gets targeted. Um, then he just gets hit so much that he's kind of he's feeling that in the second half really. But he he went well and. They kept him on for a lot of the game. He was looking good the whole time. I reckon he could have played the full 80 probably, yeah. but, which would have been silly. But best performance I've seen from him in an Ireland jersey in a little while. Yeah, because he was, he was under a bit of pressure, I think it's fair to say. You know, um, Farrell was fending off a few questions about him. Uh, Luce and I discussed it actually a couple of weeks ago. We were going to include it in the pod and then we cut it out where we were talking about Farrell's comments where... It was a suggestion that should Sexton sort of step aside now and let the young guns through. And Farrell quite rightly said, look, it's not Sexton's job to let people in. They've got to push him out. You know, the way that Sexton pushed Ogaro into retirement. But Ireland, I think it's fair to say through various reasons, you know, Joey Carberry injuries, Paddy Jackson situation, haven't had that guy who's been able to push Sexton out you know, I know you're a big Connacht fan. You probably think Jack Carty could be pushing him a bit closer as well. So, what do you think the best process is? Would you keep Sexton all the way to 2023? Before last week, I'd have said no. <laughs> now, look, people say, why doesn't he retire? And it's not up to him, really, to leave. He's going to keep going, as he said, until he's sick, but really. It's up to the coaches. If they think he's OK to keep going, then they keep him going. There's been players that have had the potential, but no one's actually pushed them that close. And I don't think anyone's shown the potential to win a World Cup. I think he's still our best man. He hasn't decided if he's going to play in that World Cup, which worries me a little bit because Carberry didn't look great when he came on for me. He looks a bit kind of undercooked. Obviously, we have Harry Byrne in the squad who got injured against Deborah a few weeks ago and hasn't played since. Um, there's Ross Byrne who's been in he played pretty well for me him and Jack Carty both probably treated a bit unfairly Billy Burns is a great player but probably not up to the standard and then you have some other nice players coming through Ben Healy Jack Crowley for example from Munster but for me I think this close to the World Cup really how many games are you going to have to get players ready not enough so you kind of got to stick with Sexton but give Carberry that game time as well in the Six Nations that he needs against them good strong English, Welsh, French side. Yeah. Yeah, I think spot on. Luce, do you, what do you think about that? Do you agree or would yeah. you get rid of Sexton? No, he, um, in regards with Joey Carberry, yeah, he needs the game time because um, he came on against Japan, a really weak Japanese side. So he needs to play against the bigger teams. Same as Sexton, really. Yeah, he performed well last week, but how is he going to cope against New Zealand now? this might knock him back completely. And then the whole discussion will start again. Is he ready? Should someone replace him now? So I think this weekend will be a real tester for him. And we'll see how it goes there. But yeah, like you said, Cadwin, no one's pushing him away at the moment. No one's good enough. So Saxton's still got that spot at the moment. Yeah, and I think I think there are parallels between... Ireland and Wales in that and I'm not just using this as a as a good segue between moving from Ireland to Wales but you look at Ireland's team is relatively young I think that's fair to say or a lot of the players certainly not in their many in their 30s now bar Sexton obviously um but with Wales you've got 
a youngish pack, bar Alan Jones, Ken Owens, and then in the back line you've got Foxy as the real elder statesman in that team. And I think there's an argument that those three that, you know, they are part of the golden generation, they are part of the stellar side that Wales have had over the last 10 years, but is it time for them to be pushed on? Luce, where do you feel on those three? There are already talks about Ellis Jenkins taking over as captain for the Six Nations, maybe in further on. Yeah, well, you could add Lee Halfpenny to the mix as well when he's fully fit. Well, I've already, um, I've already pushed Lee Halfpenny out myself. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Well, at the moment, I feel like Ken is still performing well. He is definitely by far still the best hooker in Wales. We can see that um, just this these Autumn Internationals, last year's Autumn Internationals, Ryan Elias has been first pick for both and he's not good enough yeah he performed better last week but he's not good enough his um main job is to throw the ball in and the first week against um, New Zealand he completely failed so that's the issue there so we need Ken back really um with our hooker even though how old is he now is he 33 I think he's more than that he's 34 35 was he not well He's still first choice. Again, no one's pushing him out. Although I don't know if Pivak actually does want Ryan Elias to be the starting hooker, but I don't agree with that. But <laughs> enough said about that. Um, Alwyn Jones, again, I think he's still one of the best second rowers we've got at the age of 36. Um, yes, we've got now youngsters coming through, but Alwyn Wynn is still leading that pack. Um, on the other hand, though, Foxy... I do believe we've got better centres, um, but it's just the lack of um, outside centres at the moment because of injuries um, to people like George North. Hallow Hollow hasn't been playing. So if, when everyone's fully fit at 13 and 12, actually, I don't think Foxy should be there, or at least in the, in the squad of 23. Yeah, I'd... I'd yeah, do you agree? I think you're right, yeah. I hate to say that. I, I love Foxy to bits. We'll always love Foxy. But, yeah, I struggle to, to see where where he fits in. Um, Kyle, on, on Wales then. Wales lost 18 points to 23 to the Springboks. What did you make of it as, a, as an outsider, the neutral? Because I, I was a little bit frustrated, to say the, uh, to say the least, in that game. Um, for me, possibly game of the weekend. It was a brilliant test match, proper test match. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I saw some people kind of tweeting that, oh, it's a poor game, but that's just because it was a little bit forward-orientated at times. But for me, um, a great game. Obviously, the big controversial talking point is the pitch invader that possibly stopped Liam Williams from scoring. I know by the look of you guys, you think maybe, but um, I'm, I'm kind of torn on that one. I'm not sure if he did or not, but... At the same time, it's just you can't you can't really say, and it's really disappointing for Wales though that that's kind of how it possibly ended at the same time. But I think it was a great game and some brilliant performances or performers from both teams, especially um, Jenkins and Basham. For me, I thought again they were really good, um, and Basham as well against the All Blacks. That's two brilliant matches in a row for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're looking great. You know, I we we did. Pardon the terrible pun, bash the drum once in Jack Morgan in. 
But, you know, I think uh, Pivac's been proved right with his selections, fair play. And last week I suggested Ellis Jenkins would be undercooked. He really wasn't. He was phenomenal. Uh, three years out of the game, his first game against, uh, well, since South Africa three years ago, comes back, plays South Africa, is incredible again, takes over captain's armband after Foxy goes off. Now suggestions he should be the captain for the Six Nations with Aaron Jones out. Luce, he, he was phenomenal. Um, but why did you think that Wales lost that game? Where, where was the key point? Because to me, it felt around 50, 60 minutes that it was almost inevitable that we were going to lose it in the way that it did. Yeah, well, you know what? That Liam Williams chance, definitely, it was a, a momentum switch because the players just got angry at that point. Um, and due to that, then... That's when we started losing it. That's when we started giving away uh, more penalties and losing discipline. And South Africa, their bench came on. Um, brilliant subs, just world-class, really. And they took over. And I think because it was so tight going into the 70th minute or so, it was then, I, I, it was just pretty obvious we were going to lose it towards the end. That's what I always thought. Yeah, it it was quite inevitable, as I say. You know, it was pretty inevitable game. Reese Carey getting a yellow card um, <laughs> um, for penalties in the mall. I thought that was inevitable. Um, you mentioned subs in the pack. Wales had fifty caps on their bench, and thirty-seven of those were Win Jones. South Africa had an hundred and eighty-three, and that's considering they haven't played in the last two years, really. So. I yeah, think that tells the story that needs to be said. And I thought some of the substitutions made were the wrong calls, particularly I didn't think the move of bringing on um, Liam Williams to move Josh Adams into out to centre was the right move. I'd have left Foxy on. I didn't think the right move was to take off the halfbacks either. I thought they had a good game. Um, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of frustration from me, you know, especially directed, I must say, at PVAC because... He said things like, Wales were undercooked. That's your job. I'm sorry, but your job is to make sure these players are the best they can be for that game. You can't then blame Lions and Wynne Jones being undercooked from the Lions. You can't blame the lack of fitness because of the URC. You know, this has been talked about for years and years and years and years, and Wales haven't been able to get across, uh, get over that hurdle. Um, you also, he also mentioned the weather and that, that caused it to be a more South Africa style of rugby. Um, or style of game. We were playing in Wales. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was raining all week. You knew it was going to be showers. You knew it was going to be a wet ball. You knew it was going to be a kicking game. So how you can't predict that that's going to happen, I don't know. The problem was the exits were a big problem. Lineouts, we would go in front ball to secure possession, which was crucial. But I just thought there was a sense of inevitability in the game. We didn't play an exciting brand of rugby. Um you know, Carl mentions it was an exciting test match. For me, it was frustration. It was pure frustration. Um, I don't want. I don't want to rant too much about it. I probably probably have already. But on on another topic, then, Carl, you also mentioned the fan and the alcohol and all these things being su- suggested that now alcohol should be taken out of rugby matches, particularly in the Millennium Stadium or Principality Stadium. What do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good initiative to take away? Drinking in the stadium? I'm I'm a bit torn on it really because I can understand why they would, but at the same time, I don't think 
it would stop these things happening either. I think if someone, it's probably less likely to happen, yeah. But if you look at the, this Jarbo guy, is it? Jarbo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's still going to, the likes of him, I know you might say it's not as bad as what happened in the Principality, but this is still, he's still going to be there and there's going to be other people that are still going to do it as well for other reasons, not just to do it with alcohol. Um, a lot of people, I'm not going to say alcohol is a big factor in going or it makes it more enjoyable. Maybe for some people it does, fair enough, but it is nice maybe for people to go to a match, have a pint, meet a friend that they haven't seen in a few months or whatever. Or maybe even if there was a limit, you get tokens with your match ticket. Um, or that, sort of, that sort of thing. I know you can have drinks before a match or whatever, but I think there might be other ways of kind of going around it. Use your match ticket to buy a pint. You can have maybe two pints at the game and then you can you can go wherever you want after the game then because ultimately it'll lead to people smuggling in drink or bringing their own drink in with them which could even lead to more problems then because you have people there with bottles and are people even just drinking more before a game. So I think it could possibly lead to more problems. I agree with you. I think it could lead to more problems. Uh, Peter Jackson, the journalist, has called the Principality Stadium the world's biggest pub. Luce, you you like a drink at a game. Um, uh, I, I, I've i seen evidence of that myself, being, being at a game with you, and I, I like a drink at a game. But your parents, on the other hand, they tend to sit in the non-drinking section of the stands. Where, where do they feel about it? Well, like, I would happily go um, watch Scarlet's, the pack of Scarlet's, often with my dad. And we'd, be, we'd both be there with a nice hot drink rather than a, um, a pint. And we could still enjoy the game. But I think regional is different. With regional games, most people tend to go to actually support their teams. With Wales, well, with internationals, especially Wales, it's more of the match day experience um, and the occasion and the day out, especially in Cardiff. So uh, most of the stand, because that's when you think about it, the non-alcohol section at the Principality is quite a small section, which then uh, people could argue against. But what I believe is, well, if they... Um, put an alcohol ban then in the stadium. Well, how empty is that stadium going to be? How um, little money will the WRU get because of that? Because a lot of these supporters then um, go to drink. So if you if you can't drink, how many supporters will actually go and support Wales? And also in addition to that, if if um, an alcohol ban doesn't happen. What's going to happen with with youngsters, with young kids? Are parents going to want to take them to the stadium anymore if these are behaviours? Then that will stop youngsters from going and watching these games and watching these um, heroes of theirs um, play. So there's just loads of arguments. There's not really a right or wrong answer at the moment. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think there's always been questionable behaviour. You know, I remember going to watch... Um, Wales England in 05 and I'd have been well, eight years of age and I remember hearing the retort to Swing Low Sweet Chariots sung, sung loud and proud you know that the one we all know you can shove your chariots etc etc <laughs> um, but 
you know, I I don't think there's ever been something that I've gone, oh, that was horrendous. I've been embarrassed by my stepdad mainly calling, you know, having a drink on the weekend and calling Dan Carter or Bernard Barrett a donkey for dropping their first ball in three years. But, you know, it's like I, 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 I struggle to see how excluding drink from stadiums is, is going to be the right way. I agree with you, Kyle. I think it'll just lead to pre-drinking. I think that's what's going to happen. You're just going to see lots of pre-drinking. With a late kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, spot on. With a late kickoff, you're going to see pre-drinking. You're going to see people getting drunk beforehand. Um, let's move on from Wales. Let's move on to the other games. Just briefly to talk about Italy lost uh, at home to New Zealand, 47-9. It was a classic New Zealand game. It was pretty tight until the last 20 and they threw it. Uh, they sort of threw it around and scored a couple of nice tries. England looked very comfortable in their victory over Tonga, 69 points to three, with uh, probably the highlight of that game, I think it's fair to say, is the Courtney Laws ta- covering tackle, which is a yeah. piece of genius uh, that's doing the rounds on uh, TikTok. Kyle, what did you make of that from a second row turned six? His work rate's brilliant. Um, Stuart Hogg made a similar uh, try-saving tackle against the Lions in one of the warm-up games during the summer. But what went unnoticed was Courtney Laws coming back. He was the second man back again out of all the players. Um, so his work rate is phenomenal, really. So that went a bit unnoticed. And then to see him doing it again, it was brilliant. Um, the speed of him as well to get back. Like, and yeah. he, read where, he read where he was going to go because obviously there's 50 metres of space for him to go to, really. But Courtney went, went to the touchline. His tackle technique was good as well and obviously forced the knock on. It was brilliant. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy some of the commentary because they gave praise to Freddie Stewart, the uh, Leicester fullback, uh, Leicester and England fullback, because he's playing against the former Leicester fullback in Viana. Viana beats him, all ends up. And they said, well, Freddie Stewart, fair play, he did slow him down. And I thought, right, if Viana scores that try, you're slating Freddie Stewart for a missed tackle. It's just one of those things that Freddie Stewart's been bailed out by his captain there. Um Let's let's move on to France. France twenty nine, Argentina twenty. It was a bit of a pushing fest. Uh, there were a yellow card each for pushing in that game. But for me, that was the game of the weekend. Um, uh, as a neutral, I, I loved that game. Thought it was really great to watch. I didn't feel the Jalibert and Tamak combination worked though. I don't know how either of you felt about it. I expected just a bit more excitement in a way. I only watched the second half because I was just coming back from the Williams game. But, um, yeah, I expected a bit more flair in a way. Um, those two individuals, yeah. Maybe maybe it'll come. Give it a few games. Carl, do you feel the same? Or do you feel they missed a ball-carrying Nakarawa, ball carrying Vakatawa or ball carrying Dante, for instance, who came on the second half and was pretty pretty good. Dante made a difference. Yeah, I'm not sure was it the fact that they missed a ball carrier or that Jali Bear and Entmac didn't gel well together. I was talking to you during the week about it, and I was saying maybe if they want the two of them on the pitch going forward, then Jali Bear 15 could be a better option because I don't see that going forward that working really because obviously Vakatawa and Fikun. Neither of them really are going to be pushed out. Um, I thought the game was very good. Um, probably, as you said, game of the weekend. I was stuck between that and Wales, South Africa. Both of them were brilliant spectacles. Melvin Jaminet was really good in fullback. Obviously, he was playing second division um, rugby in the Pro D2 last year. He's with Spirits, as far as I know. So he was very good. Um, 
pushing shoulders these days. I was kind of hoping the referee wouldn't yellow card them. I was enjoying it, but um, the, both teams so passionate, really. And I was, I felt sorry for Argentina near the end, to be honest, because they came so close so many times, but in the end couldn't get there. And Dupont again, captain. Uh, it was so good to see him captain them. Really, he really deserved it, and he played brilliantly again. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, I think. The tr- one of the tries of the weekend has to be the offload from Jalibé off the floor, you know that for the for the try from the substitute hooker whose name I completely forgotten. I must apologise. Um, not that he's listening again. I, I state that every week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's that was a beautiful try to watch. Um, Scotland Australia fifteen thirteen great win for Scotland. I feel they had to win the game the way the game went. Australia had two tries disallowed. Um, they had a yellow card, which... Kyle, yellow card or no yellow card? Uh, it was a tough one, to be honest. Um, I hate seeing cards, really, but... For me, no yellow card. But I'm not going to argue, either. I think Poise was a pretty good referee. Um, he had a good game, actually. He really enjoyed it, by the look of it, anyway. But I'm not going to get into it too much. I'll agree with Poise, just because he's the final say. But for me, no yellow card. But I'm... I'm very anti giving a card, to be honest. It was his last game, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I I did feel that yellow card and that penalty is never given if that try is not reviewed. If that try is given without review, that that penalty is never seen. If they don't score with that phase, it just happens that they watch it back, they see the clear out, they see the hand going in the face, they go, oh, that looks a bit questionable. Um, I thought Australia were hard done by... They had two HIAs to their props. I've no idea how Alatoa comes back on, I've got to say. And I'm not surprised that he's out this week. Um, Slipper moved to tight end, really struggling in the scrum. Scotland got dominance there and won the game. Luce, were you surprised Scotland managed to get it over the line, considering you predicted an Australian victory? Um, yeah... Yeah, uh, it was another tight game, wasn't it? But it was overall a kind of poor Australia side. I was, to be fair, disappointed about the other cards because I had Michael Hooper in my fantasy team and I'm not doing very well. So <laughs> about yeah, it. me too, me too. <laughs> um, it was on my bench, so I was quite chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it's a decent Scottish team at the moment. Um and they're just going to, well, I'm sure Scottish fans will now hope that they're going to build and keep building, um, but they've got tough fixtures coming up, um, especially with South Africa this weekend. Yeah, I have I have seen a couple of things of Scotland fans already getting carried away, mentioning tattoos of Grand Slam winners and all sorts, um, not mentioning names, but Murray Anderson is maybe suggested he might get one. Um <laughs> Uh, let's let's move on, Luce. We wanted to talk briefly about Wales women. We had to talk about it, really. It's the big, big thing. First win in thirty-two months, which says it all. Um, but a, a, a good win against Japan, in fairness, they they won quite comfortably and um, against a strong Japanese side. Two tries for Jasmine Joyce. It's it's been a very positive week for women's rugby. Yeah, it was a physical Japanese side as well, and um, well, Jazz Joyce just she she's a star, isn't she, for Welsh women? Um, and she wasn't even playing in her main position; she was playing full back, and she was all over the place, attack and defence. So she definitely deserved that, and she will be a miss now um, due to her duties with 
um, GB7s, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a really good performance. I think the um, whole thing with the professional contracts has have definitely given the players a boost now. Um, and like you had individuals standing up, like you had um, Shuan Billy Crap, the captain. She always performs consistently week in week out. Um, Ellen Snowsill was solid from a boot, as per. Um, and then yeah, you got the um, well, not the older players, but the players you see often, like Hannah Jones in the centre, um, and like Bethan Lewis in the back row. So it's great to see, and hopefully now, yeah, the whole news there with the professional contracts will definitely um, bring a lot more then to Welsh women rugby. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction, and luckily, you know, they've identified they've made huge errors. They've tried to rectify those huge errors. Um, we have seen a lot of women playing in the English Premiership, which Luce and I discussed off pod, and we were talking about how that's actually a good thing. It's not, you know, the, the standard of the English Premiership is so high that if you want to be the best players in the game, you want to be playing in that team, and a lot of them have been playing for Bristol. and I think there's about 10 playing for Bristol and Bristol mm-hmm. are top of the Premiership at the moment. So you're playing in an informed side at the top of a strong league as opposed to playing in a Welsh league, which is probably not as good. Yeah. Um, it's just over the bridge and considering how dominant English women are at the moment, just demolishing the New Zealand side twice now in yeah. the last few weeks, it, this is going to be a great experience for the Welsh players. And when they then... Um, regroup at the Welsh camp they can bring all those experiences um, and opportunities together and then yeah bring that as one team yeah and it, it you know there are parallels between that and the men's game you know recently uh, autobiography from uh, Jamie Roberts is coming out or has come out I should say uh, he said he thinks that the 60 cap rule should be abolished um, to encourage more players to sort of go abroad and try things out there you know you've seen the likes of Simon Zebo in the Irish game. Is that something you'd like to see in Ireland? You know, you don't have a 60-cap rule, but the rule is quite straightforward in Ireland. If you don't play in Ireland, you don't play for Ireland. Um, I, for me, I've seen... I've thought before about it a lot, and before especially I wanted it abolished, but the more I think about it, maybe a 60-cap rule would be better, possibly. Because it is good to keep to keep the players in the clubs, and obviously... Leinster is a really dominant side. Munster, they haven't won anything in a long time, but they're a strong team. And I think you could see a lot more players going abroad and then our clubs domestically not doing as well. So for me, I wouldn't like to see it abolished completely, to be honest. Um, but then you have the likes of Dunnick Ryan who went to rafting, but he would have been our best option in second row probably for a couple of years. And then you have Simon Zebo as well, who possibly, once Rob Kearney went out, we have Hugo Keenan now, which I'm delighted about. But Zebo probably wouldn't have been our best option for a little while there. So there's just two examples there, maybe. But I'm not too pressed about it, to be honest. But I'd like to see maybe a 60-cap rule or something a little bit more lenient because I'm not in favour of players as well. Sometimes they just go away because they're not being selected and we don't see them again. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big, big problem. Um, you know, obviously now with the discussions of rule changes, we mentioned it last week Murray... If you don't play for your country for three years, you can then switch allegiances. We might see that with Charles Piatau. You could see that with some of the Irish players as well. And that's a risk then if you're letting those players 
go because and then I don't know monetary maybe they've moved because money reasons maybe they've moved because of family reasons like Jake Ball um for Wales so if they can then switch allegiances are you just losing talent right Luce we're, we're moving on now um you've got another quiz for us this week um yes third week in a row we've gone with quizzes it's a new theme but what what's the quiz on this week so it's based on um, this weekend's fixtures. We've got Kailan, um, New Zealand versus Ireland. So um, I just, I just want to say I'm at a massive disadvantage. That's what I'm saying first and foremost. <laughs> we, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not overly confident, to be honest. You text me and I was thinking, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you'd be fine, both of you. So... Um, in 2018, Ireland obviously beat New Zealand for the first time at home at Dublin. Um, if you think about the teams that started that game for both Ireland and All Blacks, it was only three years ago. So I'm sure a team, yeah, you can ish guess it. I want you guys to write down which player started that game and will be starting this weekend the six players for Ireland and six players for the All Blacks six six each for each okay Uh, six each are we going should we go back and forth as in you say one I'll say one I was going to say you guys write it down and then um, give me a list and I'll see who's closest okay okay um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to guess two of the six for Ireland. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> two? Yeah. Can't maybe three, maybe... Oh, no, I'm just guessing two for Ireland. Then all that. <laughs> I'm miles behind you. I can tell that for a fact. This is a tough, <laughs> yeah, well, this is a tough one, Liz. You're going to have to like do an episode where you ask me <coughs> to answer questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nine New Zealanders and three Irish so far. Yeah. Ooh, you I reckon this is going to be going bad, pretty bad for me now. So, for full disclosure, um, we've had some thinking time on this one because we couldn't do it straight off the bat. But we've decided to do it as a back and forth. We've come up with our lists. Uh, Kyle, as you're the guest, I'll give you choice. Do you want to go first or second? In, it's a sudden. It's a sudden death. So, if if you get a wrong wrong answer and then I get a wrong answer, it's carry on. But if you get it wrong and I get it right, then I've won. This pressure's on. Okay, okay. This put me under a lot more pressure now because I'm wondering who uh, who to say. I'm gonna go with Tyke Furlong. I think that's the safest option. Yeah, good shot. I'm gonna go Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Um. I'll go with Bundyaki now. Yeah. That's two of my three Irish out. <laughs> three of my Irish out, sorry. <laughs> All three are gone. Um, I'm going to go Bodie, Bowden Barrett. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Brodie or Italic. Yeah. <sighs> I wasn't sure about him. It's intense. It is intense. I'm genuinely... Did he play? Oh, he definitely didn't start. One of my New Zealanders has gone. Um, I'll go Rico Yuani. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah, but in a different position. Uh, I have him now. He was on the wing in 2018, and he'll be starting outside centre. Yeah. I'm not sure about this. I'm going RD Sevilla. Yeah. Also different position. He started at seven three years ago. Oh. He'd be number eight this weekend. Calvin's stressing. <laughs> I am stressing because I've got about four New Zealanders for two slots. <laughs> um, this is tense. I can't yeah, remember who's right. starting at hooker. Can't remember. I I haven't I have a better idea for that, but I haven't written down a hooker actually. I'm gonna go Cody Taylor. I'm gonna gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Was it? Yeah. I would I wouldn't have said that now to be honest. I thought it might have been Coles. I had no. I, I, it's only because I've got no faith in the other two. Yeah, other I'm going to go James Ryan. A brave gamble there. Kyle? Did James Ryan start? He did. Oh, I was pretty sure about that. He was one of my, the other Irish I was thinking about. I'm, I, my heart's actually genuinely going. I get tense in these. I want to win. Very competitive. I'm also competitive and loose. <laughs> Three left. Every answer right so far. Yeah, if I get this one right out, that's the problem. How many New Zealand... We've only got one New Zealand left, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. And I've got three to choose from. How many Irish have we left? Two. Two? I've got three okay. to choose from for that as well. Yeah, I've got two to choose from, actually. So, so I'm not sure if they're right. I'll go Jack Conan. No. Oh! Oh, this has saved me a bit now. You've won. I'm going to go Anton Leonard Brown. No. Oh. You've won anyway because you've, you've got more right answers. He was on my list. I wouldn't have said that unless you got that wrong, though. The other New Zealander is either Sam Whitelock or Lau Lala. Yeah. And I have no <laughs> idea which one it is. I'd guess Sam, but I'm I not got sure. Yeah. Them, then who do you think um, the Irish ones are? There's two uh, left. Is it me now, is it? Well, it, it doesn't matter. You've won anyway, mate. And I hate to say it because I really wanted to win that. <laughs> but go oh, on. I'm going to go Josh Van, Josh Van Der Fleer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good shot, that. That's, that's, the issue with that is I don't rate Van Der Fleer. So I've yeah. gone, oh, no, you can't have played. <laughs> um, oh. the, the other name... I've got two other names. One's Conway. I don't know if he might have played. And no. the other one is Ringrose. Yeah. Ringrose. I, I didn't. I didn't put Ringrose down actually. My other one was Henderson. Yeah. Who started in the second row with Ryan? Was it Dunnock or Ryan there? It was. I think it was um, Tona. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I think. Uh, fair play, mate. You did well there. Um, I'm genuinely gutted because it's the first one I've lost. Although I was competing against myself last week, so I suppose <laughs> I also lost last week. Um, anyway, looking forward then. That is our segue to this weekend, Ireland, New Zealand. Um, Ireland have only made one change this week. Uh, Henderson has come in for Tyke Byrne from the side that played against Japan. Um, what do you make of that team selection? Are you happy with it or do you have made a couple more changes? No, no changes I would have made. And if I was to make a change, it would be bringing Henderson in. And for who was the question? Does he come in for Doris? Byrne goes to six. But um, I had thought a straight swap for Byrne if it was to happen. I wasn't making a change, to be honest. 
I don't think and I've done my start with 15 the other day no I didn't have any changes um, I had Henderson on the bench still because I thought Byrne was pretty solid against Japan but I can understand why Henderson's been brought in um, Keller obviously coming in on the bench as well instead of Sheehan which originally I thought yeah he'll probably be on the bench but I wondered then is Herring a bench player really because he strikes me as someone maybe who you start or you don't have in the 23 um, and Sheehan and Keller are two hookers going forward so possibly would have liked to see uh, Sheehan on the bench but he's pretty inexperienced and I can understand why he's not but I am happy with the team I would have been disappointed if um, Murray had come in to be honest given how Gibson Park had played and the same I thought there was a possibility of a couple of other players being dropped but it would have been really unfair to drop Lowe or Conway even um, so I think it's good to see that he's rewarded the players that played well and given them the start yeah, I think it's spot on. Um, with Burn, I think they've gone with a bigger man in Henderson. I think they've probably gone for that grunt. Do you know what the weather's meant to be doing like in Dublin? I haven't a clue. I hope it's good, though, because I'm going to the game. So <laughs> I, well, I'm praying it's good. I, so far, that, I checked it this morning, and it's meant to be good. That's it's the meant interesting to be pretty one. cold, but dry. That's the interesting one. I was about to say, if I was an Ireland fan, I'd be hoping it's raining. Because I think, I think your pack can can really dominate that New Zealand pack. And if it's a wet, lots of knock-ons, get the lots of scrums in, get a lot of scrum penalties from the most beastly pair of props I've ever seen in a rugby pitch in Furlong and Porter, which I think is a cheat code and should be illegal, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I don't know. I think it could be interesting. You know, New Zealand have gone with very speedy backs with... They've gone with the Rico Iwani at 13 uh, decision. They've dropped Havili, which... You know, I know both of us are huge fans of him. You, you can't believe that. You're shaking your head as well. Yeah, it's, I don't get it. I don't rate Leonard Brown hugely either. I rate Rico at 13 and I'd have him there, but I find it hard to understand why they've dropped Willie and but have Moonga and him on the bench. I can understand having Havili on the bench maybe if you want that cover because he can cover 10, 15 in the centre. But he's on the bench, I suppose, and they have cover for every position anyways. Let's be honest, they're all versatile. But the New Zealand squad, very strong squad. I was thinking maybe we'll see Aaron Smith in on the bench instead of Finley Christie, but he's only after arriving the other day, so I can understand why he's not. Um, I get what you mean about the scrums, and you're probably right, to be honest. I have to agree with you that I probably back our props ahead of theirs. So hopefully there there is a few scrums, and hopefully it is raining a bit. But even if it is raining, I don't see New Zealand knocking the ball on that much. <laughs> No, they didn't against Wales. They probably won't. They'll be doing Harlem Globetrotter stuff probably again. I'm going to push you for a prediction on that one then. If you had to call a scoreline, what's your scoreline prediction? Uh, during the week, I've been saying, oh, I think Ireland can do it. I think Ireland can do it. No, I don't, I don't think they can. Um, it, it's just me wanting to be confident, but I'm going to say... I'm gonna. I find it hard to give you an exact prediction. I think New Zealand maybe by around 15. I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. I'm gonna say New Zealand 42, Ireland 27. That's 15. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That okay. Is, yeah. okay, okay. Fair. Not trusting fair Matt's enough. following last time. Last time I had you, you doing a prediction. I think you got it wrong, didn't you, Matt's wise? <laughs> yeah, I did. That's exactly why I was worried. Yeah, I'm gonna go 42, 27. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, I don't know. I think if it was raining, if it was raining and bad weather, I'd go with Ireland. I re- genuinely feel that strongly about it. Um, it's not. I'm going to go New Zealand 31, Ireland 19. I'm going to yeah, go 12 points. Sure. Yeah. So similar margin, to be fair. Luce, what have you gone with? I've gone with 12 points as well. Uh, Luce, right, you need to stop copying me on this one, right? <laughs> I know you're struggling with predictions when we're doing it in the URC, but, you know, <laughs> what, what would you go with? Come on, lad. I've gone with New Zealand 35 um, and then Ireland 23. Yeah. Well, we've all gone with high-scoring games, so hopefully it's going to be a stellar game, yeah. I think. Ireland-New Zealand games have turned into a bit of a grudge match, actually, now, haven't they? But, you know, ever since that victory a few years ago and the World Cup game recently. So I think there's a bit of bad blood there between the two sides. So I look forward to a good game. Maybe a bit of pushing and shoving. Hopefully no yellow cards for it. Um, let Wales and Fiji, likewise, you know, we, we Wales know Fiji very well. Gareth Baby's taking over at Fiji for the uh, Autumn Series. The team for this weekend, lots of changes, as you'd expect from Wales against the probably lesser of the opponents. So they've gone with a side that is uh, Rhys Carey, Ryan Elias, Thomas Francis, Will Rowlands, Adam Beard, Ellis Jenkins as captain, Thomas Young, Tane Basham, Kieran Hardy, Dan Bigger, Rhys Samet, Johnny Williams, Josh Adams at 13, Cuthbert, Liam Williams, and the replacements are Roberts, Thomas, Wilgriff John, Chris Chunza, Davis, Seb Davis, that is, Thomas Williams, Callum Sheedy, and Nick Tompkins. Luce, the starting lineup was a bit surprising. Um, I think that's fair to say. You've got three sevens in the back row. You've got Alex Cuthbert, who was called up late. What did you make of it? And was that is that the team you'd start? No, it's not the team I'd start, no. Um, but we've got a very mobile back row. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we throw the ball around more than we did last week. But I think the weather is meant to be sunny this weekend or reasonably OK. Yeah, it's interesting Alex Cuthbert is back um, after four years. Well, yeah, his last cap for Wales was four years ago. So that's quite interesting considering FRP back wanted to um, look forward to 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I think I think we need to stop the PMAC bashing for five minutes. But yeah, I do agree with you. Um, the word on the street, uh, the street being a friend of mine's WhatsApp group, um, is that Alex Cuthbert has been training extremely, extremely well. Um, so that's that's positive to hear. And you know, obviously, he's been playing well for Exeter for a couple of years. Um, I like Ellis Jenkins as captain, particularly. I think he's a very yeah. good captain. And the back row, yeah, it's lightweight, but it'll be interesting. The one thing I will say, looking at that, that team, is it looks like we're going to give width to the ball. Do you want to give width to the ball playing against Fiji? Is that what you want to do, play unstructured rugby? Sort of, it's not suit into their hands. You know, we mentioned it about Ireland earlier, possibly against New Zealand. Doing it against Fiji is dangerous. We, we saw that in 2007. It, yeah, it is dangerous. But Fijians, like historically we know they tire um by the end of the game like in the 2019 world cup game they do yeah they were dominant the whole way through but they do tire so maybe that will work towards the end um but we just need to be careful if that's the kind of play 
um, if that's the kind of style we play, we need to be careful because we know what happened with New Zealand. Um, do we know what the weather's like in Cardiff on Sunday? It's meant to be all right. Okay. Um, Which I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing for this weekend. <laughs> I think I'd rather it be raining this weekend and been sunny last weekend. But yeah, anyway, we're talking yeah, about weather. It, I, I do worry for our pack slightly against the Fijian pack, especially the front row. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, but, but I, I think that's going to be a running theme every single week. Really. <laughs> yeah, I think that no matter who we play at the moment. Yeah, you know we've heard. Pivak talking about that Thomas Francis and Wyn Jones haven't exactly come back in peak fitness. Um, Fiji are without lots of players, just to name a couple. Yato, Radrada, Botti are all out. Kyle, I'm going to push you for a prediction again. Have you, you know, it's difficult to say, obviously, if Fiji team isn't out, but if you had to say which team was going to win or possibly a scoreline, what would you go with? Uh, Fiji by 50. <laughs> nah. I'd, By I'd the way, like we've spoken see... about it. I think you think that's a fair, fair take from from our pessimistic outlook. Yeah, um, I'd have liked to have seen the Fiji squad first, but I think this is an interesting Wales team. Not one I'd agree with either too much, but I'm going to go maybe Wales by by thirty. I'm going to say Wales. What would say? Wales forty-seven, Fiji seventeen. Nice. You mentioned one of the Welsh team you'd pick. Who would you have gone with instead? I know they've made a lot of changes, but for me, I don't think... I know they want to give players game time, but I'd like to see Thomas Williams start again because I thought he was pretty good last week. Don't yeah. see why he came off when he did, really. Um, I don't understand that Josh Allen's at 13 because, right, he's fair enough, he's a pretty decent 13 um, at times when he plays there, but is he a 13 going forward for Wales? I don't think so, anyways. Um, Alex yeah. Cuthbert's training well, but does he really start? And why does he start? Um, so some questionable ones for me. I think if you're going to bring players in to give them game time, why not give Cam Sheedy the start? He's been not playing. He's not been playing great really for Bristol, but is now not the time maybe to see you now how he's been training during the week. Maybe he didn't train very well and see now how he does against the Fijian side. No, I, I think you're spot on with Sheedy. You know, he hasn't been playing well. He's had back-to-back wins, though, in the last two weeks, hasn't he, for Bristol. You watch a fair bit of Bristol, and I think he's started to turn a corner as well as the team. Um, with Cuthbert, I, I'll i say it now, I don't know how on earth he's been picked ahead of Jonah Holmes. You know, it's, it's beyond it's, me. It's you, madness. You've seen the best of Jonah Holmes down in, you know, at Galway live. You know, he, he is on fire at the moment. Um, so it's beyond belief. Uh, and Adams, I think, is spot on. He's a world class winger. And, yeah. you know, if if George North is fit, George North starts at 13. I don't think then the next best option is moving Josh Adams in. But you, we don't know. Luce, I'm going to ask for your prediction next. What What would you go with? Um, I've gone for a much tighter game. Um, I've gone. I have gone for a Wales win, um, and I've gone Wales thirty-one, Fiji twenty-one. So yeah, temporary margin. Don't see you've done that as well. No, I haven't done exactly the same, but I've gone tighter margin as well. I've gone uh, Wales twenty-nine, Fiji sixteen. 13-point margin. I think that shows our slightly pessimistic attitude as as Welsh, um, but also how it's going for Wales at the moment. Um, 
Looking forward to the other games on the weekend. Italy-Argentina will be an interesting one to see how Argentina can uh, bounce back following their loss to France. Uh, England-Australia, big grudge match. Interesting England team with Manitou and Angie at 14 and that back row, which infuriates me more than I'm back here to say. Carl, what's your take on the England selection? I was so surprised to see Tuolagi on the wing. You'd imagine if they're moving someone to wing, does Slade not go to the wing and Tulagi play 13? Or even, like, I, I was expecting Smith Farrell 10-12, and I thought they'd play probably Tulagi 13, but Slade was so good at the weekend, it's hard really to push him out. Um, Tom Curry at eight, I don't understand. He was nominated for World Player of the Year playing at Stanker, so why, why move him out of his best position? I don't get that. I don't rate Johnny Hill enough to have him starting really when you can start. Yeah, it baffles me that. So I'd, I'd have Curry, Underhill, and um, Don Brandt. Yeah, exactly. Don Brandt. Sorry, yeah, went blank there. No, Don Brandt. I'd have I'd have Simmons in the squad as well, but no, I'd have Don Brandt start. And I think it's really it's really hard on him, really, the way he's been playing that he's not starting. Or even in the 23, for that matter. Uh, he's on the bench. Oh, no, he is. Sorry, he's, he's second row cover, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, this is, the, this is the thing. I completely agree with you, mate, which is... I, I really enjoy talking to you because our opinions tend to match exactly. I don't rate Johnny Hill. I don't think he should be in the match day 23. I don't think Charlie Ewell should be in the match day 23. I don't rate either of them. Um, and then we're talking about why have they gone with that backs combination? Well, they clearly wanted to do um, that combination of Smith and Farrell at 10-12. They couldn't then drop Slade because of his form. But you need a ball carrier in your backs because you haven't got one in your pack. If you pick Dombrand to date, you can maybe go without Tulangi in the back line. But you've hamstrung yourself with that back row where you've got no no number eight on the starting lineup. You've got two on the bench. So you, you sort of force yourself into a situation where you have to pick a ball carrier. Um I, I'd have Don Brandt as well. I think he's brilliant. But anyway, they've gone with a back row. They've gone with, like I said last week, the longer England get their selection incorrect, the better for me. Um, <laughs> um, the other big game on the weekend is Scotland-South Africa. It's going to be a clash of styles. Scotland free-flowing. South Africa, well, if the game lasts two hours, it's good for them. Um, Luce, what, what do you, how would you see that game going? Uh, I feel like South Africa are going to run away with it. I think they're going to win comfortably. I'm not going to lie. And I know last week I said Australia would beat Scotland, but South Africa are a different class to Australia at the moment. Um, so I think they'll just win comfortably. Yeah. Kyle, do you feel similarly or no? No, I don't actually. I think Scotland could win this. I, th- I, think, they'll push, I think they'll push South Africa really close. South Africa, I'm going to say the ledgers, but I think it'll be one or two points in it. A France saying kick again, maybe coming at the end. I think that could be that could be on the cards. Could well be, especially if uh, the kick chase is as bad as it was for Wales against France. They just let him bounce off players and run through open holes at the age of whatever he is now and the weight he is. Um, I've gone with a Scotland win. I think Scotland could do it. I the weather's good. And I don't want to sound like PVAC, but the weather does matter in rugby matches. We all know that. But um, hopefully Scotland are planned for it more than an hour before kickoff. Um, yeah. Scotland. I, I, really, I really hope our listeners don't think I'm anti-Scottish here. Yeah. Second week in a row now. Yeah, well, 
I think that's the least of the worries. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think Scotland will do it. I think they've they've got the backs to do free-flowing rugby. My worry will be high ball. I don't know what Rufus McLean is like under the high ball, but he's going to have a lot of practice on the weekend. And we saw Duan and Hogg struggle in the, in the Lions tour against the box kicks. But I think they'll do it. I think I really think they do it. I don't think Scot- uh, South Africa are that great a side at the moment. I think they, if it's tight, they know how to win. I think the key thing for Scotland is to get ahead early and hopefully then cling on when the bench comes on for South Africa. Um, but yeah, I think Scotland will win this weekend. And uh, final game on the weekend will be France-Georgia. But uh, yeah, I think we'll leave that with there as, as a France win. Um, thanks very much, Kyle. It's been a pleasure to have you on, um, as always. Just final thought then, what, what what's the aim for Ireland this autumn? What would you like to see moving forward, If you know, depending on the result this weekend? What would you like to see in the Argentina game? A few new faces, perhaps? Yeah, exactly. I think the Argentina uh, game should be used to blood players, because obviously Japan used as maybe, no disrespect to them, but a bit of a warm-up for the All Blacks. I'd like to see Argentina um, give a lot of new players a start, or not a lot of new players, there's many debutants, but... I'd like to see Frawley start at 10 or 12, to be honest. Um, I'd like to see Harry Byrne maybe on the bench. Probably Carberry gets to start at 10. Sheehan come in on the bench as well, give him a good half an hour or so. And just try and kind of work on this game plan that seemed to work for them last week and try and execute that. And I'm trying to think, I'd like to see maybe Zebo get a start at 15 because Keenan's played a lot lately. Um, there's no question about how good he is, but I'd like to see now how Zebo is, because we've seen him being used for Munster on the wing. Munster not really using him to to his strengths or to his ability. So I'd like to see him maybe at 15 and see how he does there. And apart from that, really, just just go out and try and play some good rugby and make sure that them young guys that need the experience get the minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, the likes of Gavin Coombs I'd love to see uh, getting, a, getting a game a match start um, as well. Um, big fan of his. Yeah, maybe maybe Mac Hansen from uh, Connor to get a start on the weekend. You never know as well. Yeah, I have. I hadn't. I kind of forgot about him getting called up. Actually, I'd love to see him get a start, or even off the bench. To be honest, because his form has been unbelievable. Yeah, some incredible tries. Um, cheers very much, mate. Great to have you on. Be great to have you on sometime again. Um, we will be doing an Australia fifteen that'll be coming out next Tuesday. I think. You may be on then the following week as well with your Connacht 15 that we recorded a few weeks ago, or maybe even a month ago now. But uh, great to have you on as always and look forward to hearing from you again. Cheers. Thanks a million, guys. Enjoyed it. Slug. Cheers.